think there's might be one or two more people joining online, but we can start by doing introductions. Um, cool. Does everyone like my joke? I found it funny. Cartoon is great. <laughs> okay. So, uh, my name is Cassandra, and I'm here for the people in person. <laughs> I see you're all looking at the TV screen. Um, I started leading groups at Blueprint probably at the beginning of this year, end of last year, somewhere there. Alyssa and Michael, was it middle? I didn't. Beginning. What? Beginning? Yeah. yeah. COVID has kind of made the year disappear into one long week of time that never ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I took a bit of a break because I wanted to work on some stuff and um, I hadn't finished working on that stuff, but I really felt that the Lord said I had to start up a group again. So here we are. And for those who are online, this wasn't supposed to be online. Um, the blueprint asked if we could do a hybrid because there were a lot of people that wanted to join online and they were only all female groups online. So I volunteered. So if there's any technical difficulties, I blame it on the situation and not on myself. I don't know how Christian that is of me, but. Um, so I uh, am originally from South Africa and I came to, yes, Because you're not welcome. <laughs> um, I came to the States about four years ago and I church hopped for a long time trying to find a home and I've been with Blueprint since about November last year. Um, so it's almost a year now and back in South Africa I led um, small groups, Bible studies, small seminars, conferences and trainings and stuff like that. Um, I've never been the head of a church though, but I believe that churches are three or more people. So thank you so much for coming. And I really hope that you will in, enjoy this, this time that we have together. It's gonna to be a little less formal today because it's the first day. So it's gonna be more about getting to know each other and kind of setting up the platform for the first things that we're gonna go into. So let's go around the circle online um, and tell us your name. If you are not from Tennessee, so those of you joining online, if you are not from Tennessee, tell us where you're from. And then the icebreaker question is, tell me one thing that really irritates you. I'm sure there's many, but whatever the first thing that, that comes to mind. So. Let's start with the in-person people. I'm gonna move the camera so they can see who you are. There we go. <laughs> Great. Um, my name is Alyssa. I am from Illinois, and that's where I think you're from. This is more. And, um, and that's okay can everyone hear her and i see some nods if you could hear her properly she's kind of quiet okay oh, <laughs> i can't hear anything this is not on mute, so project. Can you hear me now? Okay, they're not. Okay. okay. <laughs> Did I repeat that? And move on? Can you can you put her face on so we can see her? She's there. Uh, look on the Cassandra's iPhone. Yeah, that's the room camera. I still see a big picture of a cartoon. If you unmute your iPhone, Cassandra, we might be able to hear better. 
uh, we test that I can't, otherwise there's reverb. Oh, okay. Let's see, what if I do that? There it is. Yeah. Oh. It'll create feedback. So just on the one. Can't. It's full feedback. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just project. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> <laughs> I just like can't read really <laughs> um, Yeah, come closer for a second while I find this one. Go ahead. Okay. Don't worry, I'm gonna make you all do this. <laughs> maybe she just has a soft voice. Yeah, maybe it's just me. Can you hear me now? Awesome. Okay. My name is Alyssa. I'm from Illinois. <laughs> um, and my pet peeve kind of thing is like fuzzies on people's clothing or like pieces of hair and stuff. Like it's a weird one, but that's what I know. <laughs> Thank you, Cassandra. I can hear Jamichael. Jamichael, you want to preach one day, right? So you got to project your voice really loud. Um, can you hear him? Can you guys hear me? A little. Sort of. So I have to be too much. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right. So my name is Michael. I am originally from Florida, but I've been in Nashville since 2011. So, no. To Michael from Florida. <laughs> um, my greatest pet peeve is not uh, hearing people on video calls. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, my greatest pet peeve. Rude people. Biggest pet peeve. Okay. I will relay for you. Yes. That's Jack. And, um, She's from Georgia. <laughs> she says that when people um, don't put their shoes on all the way and their heel is like sticking out the back <laughs> and they're bending the shoe, that's her pet peeve. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ashley from Missouri, uh, Kansas City side. She doesn't, uh, her pet peeve is when people walk across the street, when there's a crosswalk, like literally just a little bit away, but they still just cross the street directly. <laughs> um, I'm Steven, uh, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Steven um, from St. Louis, Missouri. This is testing my like American word knowledge right now. <laughs> and my pet peeve is when uh, people don't use their turn signal. Oh, yes. He hates when people don't use a turn signal. Um, you'd hate my husband. <laughs> like we'll sit in the car and, and he'll be turning. I'll be like, turn it on. It's the law. And he's like, everyone knows I'm turning. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm one of those drivers that like, if you don't tell me far in advance what you're doing, there's going to be an accident. <laughs> um, so I'm Cassandra. I'm from, sorry, I'm doing everyone in person first. Uh, actually, no, let me do me last. Let's do, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Dana, Donna. Yeah. Thanks for, I don't know how to say it. My name is Donna. I'm originally from Ukraine, but been in Nashville for 20 plus years. And um, something that really irritates me, I'll stay on the trend of what irritates us when we're driving, is if I'm standing at a red light and it turns green and the car in front of me like dawdles and just takes forever starting to drive, I'm like, let's go. We got places to be. It's green. Got it. Hey, George. Uh, I'm George Bellant. Uh, I'm in California, uh, Central California. 
And even though my original pet peeve was people not using turn signals, the other one is drivers and uh, especially women that can't see over the steering wheel. Drive like they can't see. Sorry, that's, that's the truth, right? I'm only gonna say the truth. Dalton, am I saying your name right? Nailed it. Um, I'm Dalton. I moved to Nashville from Massachusetts a little over a year ago. Um, and my pet peeve is slow walkers, particularly people who walk just a little slower than you to where you have to like speed up beyond normal. To get them. Um, that really, really gets me. Uh, Emily? Hi, I'm Emily. I lived in Nashville actually up until a couple months ago, but I'm originally from Texas and that's where I live now. And my pet peeve is people who chew really noisily. <laughs> All right, uh, Esther? You guys really are identical. I didn't even realize. <laughs> I'm I always sometimes wear glasses. I was um, doing my studying, so I had them on, so I may as well keep them on. Um, anyway, my, my name is Esther. I'm originally from Britain, but I live in Maryland, have been since 97. And what really irritates me is people who spout off an opinion on something in the news without having educated themselves. Very good. Helene? You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I live here in Nashville. I used to live in Maryland up until about three years ago. Um, I hurt my back, so that's why I'm not at Cassandra's now. <laughs> oh. Otherwise, I would come say hi, but yeah, my back said no. Yeah, I wish you were here. Now. No one's eating the food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is, if I was there, nobody could have heard me. <laughs> so maybe I should stick with the online format. <laughs> and this is Cookie behind me. Um, but is that anyway, a new dog? My... No. Uh -uh. Uh, no, I have two dogs and two cats. So maybe you haven't been introduced to her yet. I probably have. I'm just bad with names. Doesn't matter if it's animals or humans. So. <laughs> well, okay. that's fine. But anyway, my pet peeve is when people spell your and your. <sighs> You are, not your. <laughs> it bugs me. And then there and there and all those yeah. misspellings, common misspellings that just drive me up the wall. So, and then here's right. the he's Where, Where's Troy? Troy is practicing. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. Peppa keeps bumping into me because she wants to be pet. <laughs> all right. Um, also, if the cats bother anyone, let me know, and I'll put them away. Please let me know. I know oh, you're okay. okay. Just don't be ashamed to tell me. Like, I'll never force my pets on anyone. Okay. Um, so my pet peeve is, and I mean, I set this up so I could launch into the lesson. So <laughs> my pet peeve is um, people who make statements with absolutely no evidence, specifically when it's with regards to Christianity. And um, Helene, mute yourself. Um, and that's not the reason why we're, we're doing this topic, um, but it just happens to line up with something that really irritates me. And one of the reasons we're doing this topic is because um, our previous group, um, which some of you were a member of, uh, we did a, a one-day session on um, sharing your faith and like kind of practical methods of how to do that. And I felt like a lot of people expressed that they didn't really know how. Um, and even the ones who felt like they could share their faith, there seemed to be a sense of a little bit of fear like, what if I get asked questions that I don't have the answers for? Um, and so we, we briefly discussed that um, in that session.
but um, I came a across a course online and I really felt like it would be beneficial as a group to go through that. Now, I know a lot of you are new and so you didn't get to weigh in on the decision, but I do trust that you will gain something out of it as well. Um, and so in the spirit of the theme that we're talking about, um, I have two more questions for, for the group. Um, have you ever been asked a question about your faith that's completely stumped you and you've, you've just not been able to answer it all? Let's start online and let's go backwards. So Helene, and if the answer is no, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything. Um, yes, actually, recently. Um, someone wanted to know, how do you know that your God is the God? And I was just kind of like, well, what, what do I say? I mean, the Bible says it. I mean, <laughs> what else is there to say, you know? Um, but yeah, that's the one thing that stumped me. Um, but I got some good advice on how to to make it personal, basically. And um, stating that, you know, he's, he's the one that came down to, to live amongst us. You know, what other God do you know that did that? Um, what God do you know that, that cares about us so much that he would only give his son for us? you know, and to die, you know, so it's, that was the way I handled it. Uh, Esther? Um, this was over 20 years ago, um, but I was asked how could a loving God um, put people in hell, and I didn't have an answer. And I think now, because I have a different conception of what hell is, um, it would be easier to answer that because it comes down to the choice as opposed to like, you know, bad people being thrown in hell. All right, Emily. And again, if you don't have anything to say, no pressure. Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say is, I don't think I've really been asked questions in general that I, did or did not know the answer to about my faith. Okay. I, I don't know what about your name makes me nervous when I'm about to say it. <laughs> Dalton? You're nailing it each time, so don't be nervous. You got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been stumped quite a few times. I can't think of any particular um, examples because um, there haven't been any too recently, but um, Anytime it is, it's kind of the same response from me and reaction from me. I'm, I tell them I genuinely don't know because I don't want to give them misleading information. Um, and then I go do a little research, ask for some advice, and try to get back to them um, ASAP. That's great. George? Well, we've been in lockdown for quite a bit out here. So I don't talk to too many people. So I'm glad I have you folks. Uh, <laughs> And it's been so long, I, I, nothing comes to mind at this point. No problem. Dana, Donna, Donna, Donna. So it's like an O, but it's an A. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, if you say Dana, I... No, I'm, I hate <laughs> being that person. I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I don't have anything that jumps to mind. I'm sure it has happened, but I can't think of anything right now. Okay. All right, project, <laughs> Stephen. Um, <laughs> nice, that's powerful. <laughs> yes. So it wasn't the question. I more came across like a statement once um, that like there was no outside sources that support any like historical, well, any like biblical figure, specifically Jesus, outside of the Bible. Um, so then I like I went down a search of like finding about the uh, historian Josephus and his book Antiquities of the Jews and. Uh, some of those other uh, ancient historians, but. Mm -hmm. So a lot of you are actually saying how you had a comeback. So you're kind of ruining my point about not having a comeback. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. 
Okay. If you couldn't hear, she said um, she gets the same questions as Esther about hell and how can a good God send people to hell? <laughs> Sir Michael. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so historical evidence again. How do you know your God is the God? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Then the next question, I'm not going to make everyone answer. I think Zoom has a raise your hand, maybe. Uh, can I just not do it because I'm a host? I can't raise my hand to myself. Can, can you guys check if you have a raise your hand option? If you click participants, it's, uh, there we go. <laughs> All right, so if you click participants somewhere, you should see a place where you can raise your hand. So if you wanna say something and I'm not seeing you, then just raise your hand. Cool. All right. Um, Emily, can you do that one more time so I can see if it pops up on your face? Oh, awesome, thank you. Okay, <laughs> so the next question is, um, what have been some common objections to Christianity specifically the Bible, if you can, that you've heard non-believers or skeptics bring up. It, it doesn't even have to be something that was brought up to you, just something that you know is a common thing that unbelievers or skeptics always say about Christianity and the Bible, and that's their reason why they don't believe. Esther, unmute. The, um, the thing that I hear a lot is that it was written such a long time ago how is it relevant today and that would be in particular with reference to the uh, old testament especially because you know christians are supposed to be loving and they're judgmental and you know this is like just old people you know like people who are long dead so how can they have any um, knowledge about what it is how it is today and how would it be relevant Dalton? Um, the uh, one I your, hear. Sorry, put your hand down so that I don't get confused. <laughs> um, the one I hear um, like once a week from whatever sources all the time is just here so frequently is that if God is good, then why do bad things happen? Um, why does cancer exist? Why do babies die? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Anyone in person? Like I said, it doesn't have to be something that was said to your face. Wow. Was that the cat? No. <laughs> okay. um, so something I've heard people say is, well, all religions lead to God. You know, there's not one, all pathways lead to God. That's one I've heard. Anything else? There's another one that that's going around in, in modern times. It's just really ridiculous. But there are literally people out there that say that Jesus never existed. Not anything to do with him being God or anything like that. Just he was never a person that actually walked the earth. There are people that actually say that. Anyone heard that one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So Jermichael was saying how he heard that one, but he's discovered evidence of that. There's more evidence to support that Jesus walked the earth and Julius Caesar. Um, stop stealing the course. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share a video. Let's hope this goes well. <laughs> I keep double clicking because I'm used to another application where you just double click to share. Okay. And everyone see my screen online? Nod if you can. Okay. And uh, if you can't hear, um, raise your hand, okay? Emily, you can't hear? That's weird. Uh, who else can't hear? I can't hear it either. I, I can't hear it, but I can read. <laughs> if you go up to the top where you're sharing and it has a little green bar and you hit like share options, there's a thing that you can check to say share computer audio um, that might be unchecked. <laughs> Your computer sound. Okay, let's try again. So please raise your hands if you can't hear again. As I grew older, I kind of realized that a lot of it is not something that I believe in or really think it's true. A lot of people today think that belief in Christianity is irrational, gullible, foolish, or even just plain weird. I sort of tend to think of the Bible more as historical fiction. I think it's just mythology. I think it's weird. We do live in a post-Christian age that is becoming increasingly hostile to religion and Christian faith. Are we witnessing the fall of Christianity in America? I personally cannot um, personally accept the fact that he's a son of God. Perhaps as many as 16% of people now identify as having no faith of any kind, and that's double what it was a decade ago. Faith, by definition, is believing in things without evidence, and uh, personally, I don't do that because I'm not an Idiot. Religion is losing its influence in American life. A number of surveys have actually shown that 60 to 90 percent of Christian kids lose their faith during college. There's a real, a real crisis for faith in this country now. And to make matters worse, most Christians have absolutely no idea what to say when someone asks them why they believe in Jesus versus something else. Why not be a Muslim or a Hindu? Or better yet, why be anything at all? Why faith in Jesus? Why not faith in Islam or the Tooth Fairy? What makes your faith any different than theirs? Christians ought to have a good answer to that question. But the problem is, is that the answers Christians usually give to that question are in fact very bad. Bad answer number one, that's just what my parents taught me. That answer may be okay when you're five, it's not okay when you're 25. Bad answer number two, why well, just believe on blind faith? Well, so does everybody in all the other different religions too. What makes your faith any different from theirs? Bad answer number three, my faith is based on a strong feeling or sentiment. Christians are not the only ones with strong feelings or sentiments. A lot of people have strong feelings and sentiments about their religion. That doesn't make yours any different than theirs. Feeling is not knowledge. Sentiment is not knowledge. You need something more. Can you guys still hear me? Okay. Cool. Okay. So, did anything in that video resonate with anyone or either make you feel strong feelings of maybe anger or sadness or irritation or confusion. Um, I, for me personally, I, it makes me really mad because one of my kind of war cries since I was even a young Christian was that it is a Christian's responsibility to know why they believe what they believe. And I've always tried to promote that really strongly 
among any Christian I meet or disciple. And so when I hear statistics like, you know, 60 to 90 percent of, of Christians when they go to college give up on their faith, that makes me angry. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a little bit, when it comes to those students, I'm, I'm a little angry at them. I'm more angry at all the Christians around them that are older than them that didn't teach them. Um, and then when it comes to older Christians, it, they just make me angry in general. I think it's sad, but I think I personally feel more anger towards the situation in general. I don't know if maybe anyone feels something more in the sense of, I don't want to say guilt, but for lack of a better synonym right now, like, I don't know if anyone feels guilt that they might fall in that category, you know, like maybe you're at a point where you're like, geez, if, if someone had to ask me those questions, I'd probably give more or less the same answers or something that's, that's not much better. Um, so feel free to share and I won't be angry at you because you're here. So you're doing something about it. <laughs> I'm one of those people who um, the, the statistic about college, I'm one of those people. I came back um, after at, at a later time, but hearing those statistics, it kind of just makes me sad because it's like these, you know, the, the people who um, have these opinions, a lot of them are not even open to reconsidering what they believe. And it's kind of like, well, if, if you don't believe in God, you're also taking a step of faith because you don't know, nobody knows. So what, whatever stance you take, it is based on a faith that you hold for yourself. George? I don't feel like I personally need to defend anything that I believe. If I believe it, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for the rest of my family. And if they don't believe in my God, they can tell me why they don't and have evidence of it. Um, to think that I need to defend myself against, you know, for what I believe, especially in that area, I don't see where I owe it to them. They, by now, at that point, they would have heard the gospel, at least parts of it, or enough, and now it becomes their choice whether they accept it or not. But I don't feel that I, I guess I believe long enough where I have absolutely no doubt God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all three same. Um, I just don't feel like I need to defend what I believe to anyone else. I don't have to prove it. I could guide them along, but it's still up to them. Does anyone have any comments or opinion on, on what George said? Yeah. Um, speak loud. Can you hear Alyssa? Not yet. Come, come speak here. You're, you're too soft. <laughs> so this is kind of fun because I'm not a controversial person, but I found it interesting when you're explaining like, um, I don't feel I have to have this need to defend myself when it's kind of more, I guess, a defense of the faith and the truth and not really like ourselves personally. Like they can think what they think about us when we're explaining our beliefs. And I totally agree with you. Like you can share what you believe, you can share what you know, but it's totally up to them. And it's less of a defending of like, well, you should believe what I believe because like it's gonna hurt my feelings if you don't as much as it is like just defending like the truth and what we know the truth to be if that makes sense i just i like find it kind of interesting and i guess i'd like to know too a little bit more of what you mean by that 
Well, thanks, Elisa. I don't feel put on the spot now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, tell them when they die, they better be wearing asbestos underwear because, you know, they're going to need it. Uh, you can you can only talk to some people for so long before they have to make a choice, and hopefully, if if I don't give them the right reasons, someone else will. You know, I I, I do my part. Uh, I I tell explain what I can, but after a while, I, and I guess maybe I I've been around long enough where. Um, I just get annoyed if somebody consistently tries to prove me wrong. I don't have the patience in some, by the way, my daughter's not in that group sitting in your house somewhere, is she? No. Okay, good. Isn't it her birthday? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know how much more information uh, whoever was just sitting in your chair wants from me, but um, sometimes I just get exhausted. I don't think, I don't think God needs to be defended. I think it just needs to be explained sometimes a little better because he is there. He's all around. Um, and if I can't do it, I just hope somebody else can for whoever is questioning. All right. I can agree with that. Yeah. Any rebuttal from the other chair? Not a rebuttal, more of a, a general sense of agreement. Okay. So I am going to come back to what you said. But I think this is a, a good point where we can like look at scripture. Um, and so I'm going to read two verses. The first one is in 1 Peter 3 verse 15. 1 Peter 3 15. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. But sanctify the Lord God, God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I'm going to read that again um, from the second part. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And then the second verse is Titus 1 verse 9. Titus 1 verse 9, just a little bit backwards in your Bible. And it says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Um, here they're specifically talking about um, a bishop and that he should be able to do these things. Uh, I personally, whenever there's um, verses that pertain to how a person in a leadership position in the church should act, regardless of whether I'm a leader or not, I always take those as personal conditions to myself because we're all leaders in some way or another. You're either leading your spouse, your kids. Um, if you are being a discipler of other people, which is one of the main visions of our church, you're by default a leader. If you're actually acting out your Christian faith, you're always going to be leading someone else. So, um, and besides, I even if that doesn't qualify, if you say, well, that's not exactly the type of leader that they're talking about when they speak about a bishop or a deacon, that's true. However, I personally, I don't want to let myself get away with anything. Like, whoo, thank goodness I'm not a bishop, so I can have two husbands, you know, because they say a bishop should only have one wife or something like that. You know, if, if God sets a certain standard of holiness for some people, I don't go, well, thank goodness I can get away with doing less. I always say, well, why wouldn't I aspire to the higher standard that there is? So, um, you know, the, the, timid, uh, the Peter verse is, is general to all of us, and the Titus verse is specific to a leader, but they're both important. I'm going to read the Titus one again. Um, I'm going to change the word he to you just so that it makes more sense in reading it. 
holding fast the faithful word as you have been taught that you may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict so both of these verses give the indication that there will be people both inside and outside the faith that are going to come and oppose they're going to contradict the things that you are saying and you should be able to with sound doctrine to exhort them and as it says in peter to give a reason for the hope that is in you right um there is a condition in peter it says with meekness and fear so you're not to go in with a hoity attitude do you want me to remove the cat <laughs> you can push it like <laughs> sorry guys um so in, in peter it says in meekness and fear so you you can't be going in there thinking well i know everything and i'm above you and i'm better than you because i know this knowledge you are to go with meekness and fear and um, i don't know if you guys have ever watched christian debates um on youtube uh, I used to spend a lot of time uh, when I was relatively a new Christian, being Christian maybe two, three years, I spent a lot of time watching online debates because I was a debater in school and I was really good. So for me, I was just like, well, now I'm just switching genres, you know? Um, and one thing that would often get to me and it would, it would upset me so much is when I would see a debate between like a Christian and an atheist, and the atheist would rile up the Christian so much that if I had joined the debate at that second, I wouldn't have known who the atheist was because both were so angry and even using words that you shouldn't really say. I mean, no one was like swearing or anything, but the way they were kind of like, they, they were making jabs, you know what I'm saying? And kind of insulting each other. And I was just like, there's no point in defending your faith if by defending your faith, you're contradicting everything that's in your faith by the way that you act, right? But that doesn't mean you shouldn't defend your faith. Um, and I found this amazing guy and I highly recommend him. He's called um, Professor John Lennox. He's a professor of uh, mathematics at Oxford University and he is brilliant. Not only is he brilliant in his mind, but he's brilliant in the way he conveys himself. And uh, there's a very famous atheist called Richard Dawkins, and he's a militant atheist. That means it's his sole purpose and goal in life to destroy religion. He wants every single person he encounters to give up their faith. He's not one of those, oh, I'll just keep my atheism to myself. The same way we evangelize, he evangelizes for atheism. And he hates religion very sternly. And he often has debates, um, not just with Christians, with any religious person that he can find of any religion. And he, he is brilliant. Like, he's really smart. He's also a professor at um, Oxford, I think, in uh, biology. And because he's so brilliant, if you can't match his brilliance, you've lost already. Um, but he's very aggressive. And he's often one of the main... Um, instigators when it comes to making the, the person who's debating him lose their composure. And I have never seen anyone in a debate with Richard Dawkins win. Like, even though I still side with the Christian side of the argument, and I believe it's true, if I'm looking at it from, from someone who was a debater for mo most of their life and has learned to judge objectively, the Christians always lost. Any, for anyone who debated Richard Dawkins lost. He was really good at what he did, except John Lennox. Not only could he match him in brilliance, but his composure remained calm the entire time. He never insults Richard Dawkins. He never gets mean. And even when Richard would, will insult him and his intelligence and his faith, he just it's like water off a duck's back. He just lets it go. Sometimes he'll even make a joke and say, yes, I am an idiot or, or something like that. He, he even makes the atheist audience laugh because he's just so calm and Christian. And so not only does he win the debate with his mind, but he wins it with his demeanor. And I think anyone who leaves those debates doubting Christianity, then 
it truly is something that God has to deal with them in their heart. Like the Christian in that situation has done everything they can. And so the atheist or the non-believer or the skeptic has no reason to put the, the burden of proof or the blame on the Christian. And so I believe that the apostles make it really clear that we have a, a mandate to spread our faith and spreading our faith also means defending it, defending it from people inside and outside. And this is not every time someone comes to attack you, you have to be ready with all the answers and attack them back. That's not the type of defense we're talking about. Uh, uh, the Bible also speaks a lot about not arguing with a fool. And it actually says the person who doesn't believe in God is a fool. So make the, the links over there, right? You have to judge with the Holy Spirit's help a person's attitude. If someone is coming to you just to be aggressive and just to have a fight, don't engage. That's that's a waste of your time. That's costing your pearls before swine, as it says in Matthew, right? Um, and so judge in the moment. Is this person really asking because they want to know or are they just trying to fight? When I encounter people who just want to fight, I will say to them, the questions that you're asking, I have answers, but I don't think that you actually want to hear them. If you ever want to have a real conversation, I promise you that every single question you have, I can give you a solid, scientific, archeological, historical answer. But I just don't feel like you're receptive right now. So I'm willing, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation, but I want it to be with both of us being calm and having an open mind. And if that person can't do that, then don't engage. I don't believe in those circumstances, you're under compulsion to defend your faith if someone is attacking you, right? But do let them know, I have answers. Don't just say, oh, I just believe, or my faith is my own. You have to be ready to give an answer. But being ready doesn't mean you have to give an answer every single time you're asked a question, right? Jesus didn't answer every single question that was asked him. He judged the heart of the person speaking to him and determined whether he would give a clear answer, a parabolic answer, or no answer whatsoever. And we should try to emulate that and do the same. Judge the spirit of the person asking you the question. <clears throat> so, um, in the spirit of that, that's how our next few lessons are gonna go. It's impossible, well, maybe not impossible, but it'll be a huge task for us to have to go through every single um, genre of apologetics or every single um, thing that an atheist or a non-believer or a skeptic or a person from another religion would bring up as their reason for not believing. We can't cover it all. Otherwise, this might take like a year for us to get through it. So we will mainly be focusing on um, <clears throat> a defense of the Bible. Um, because I believe if you can defend the word of God, you have a very solid foundation for spreading your faith, right? Because if you can prove that what's said in the word is true, then all the other things that people might bring up, you could use the word to then counter that, right? Once you've established with them that the word is true. So you might not know everything about the Muslim faith, but if a Muslim comes to you and wants answers, information, wants a dialogue, and you have a very solid grounding in why we trust the scriptures are accurate and inspired and the word of God, then if you can convince them of that part, that should be enough to start that dialogue of why Allah is not our God, for example. Now, that doesn't say that you should not branch out and do research if you're in a specific scenario. So if you do encounter a Muslim, then I would say if, if you feel you have an opportunity to, to speak to them about your faith, do a little research on the side, you know, look up apologetics of, Christians speaking to Muslims, look up 
um, specifically ex-Muslims who became Christians? What are the things that were said to them? What convinced them? So, and sometimes it's um, not an intellectual thing. Sometimes they had an encounter with Christ, which we can't discount. Um, when I was preparing for this, I can't remember who said it, so we might even come across it in one of the videos we're going to watch. But he said, um, it is true that debating and arguing and reasoning will not convince everyone. Can we all agree on that? Like you could give the greatest argument ever and a person could still be like, no. But debating, arguing, reasoning does convince some people. And for that reason, we shouldn't ignore it. We shouldn't cut it out, right? We all know just by experience that different people come to Christ in different ways. Some hear a message in church and they're convicted. Others see a Christian live their life out and they are inspired by that and they want that. Others go through immense turmoil and hurt and through the love of Christ, they come to be a Christian. But there are people out there who came to Christ intellectually. They were offered the gospel in a way that made historical, archeological and scientific sense to them. And because they were an intellectual person, they said logically, well, all the evidence points to this being the truth. And a lot of them converted because of that. And we can't eliminate those people specifically because we are in the Western world. If you were in China, most of Africa, um, the Middle East, if you didn't go super intellectual, you'd probably okay just because most of those people believe in some type of religion or spirituality. And so you wouldn't have to go super deep on the mind side, right? And the proof and the evidence. But the, the fact of the matter is the Western world has developed into a very intellectual society and they want evidence, they want proof. And so like Paul says, become all things to all men, right? So when you're in Africa, don't come there with, you know, evolution is not true. They probably don't care if you have evidence for it. It doesn't really matter to them, right? You become like them, speak to them on the more spiritual things. But when you're in England, which almost everyone there um, identifies now as not having any type of faith, you want to come with an intellectual argument. You become like the people in Britain to speak to the British people. And so I believe that this course will not only help you to evangelize and help to get the word of God out there and disciple people, but I also hope that through this, you yourself will have a very deep sense of conviction that the word of God is true that you yourself will never even have a doubt because it's normal, right? I'll be honest, I've read stuff in the Bible and sometimes I come across something, I'm like, that sounds like a contradiction. Like I'm, I just read that a few chapters ago and this sounds different. And in those moments, I might feel a little bit of, this bothers me, you know? But you know what I do? I go research about that contradiction and I find up tens of thousands of commentaries on why this is not a contradiction, what it actually means, and then it makes me calm again, right? And so it's okay to sometimes feel that. And if someone asks you a question, like if someone says to you, well, how do you know that the, the copies of the documents is correct? That 2000 years old, how do you know that they wrote the same thing 500 years later, you know? Or if they tell you, oh, um, not all the books that are in the Bible are all the books. There's other books, right? And in those moments, you might feel the sense of, well, I don't know what to say. What, what if they're right? What if like I lack some knowledge? I hope that this course is going to kind of settle all of that for you, at least within the, the topic and context of the Bible. Like I said, we can't go into evolution and creationism and stuff like that. And I'll give you resources so that if you're interested, and I hope you are, that you can do that on your own time and go branch out into other topics. But I really want us to really get grounded in the scripture, know why we believe what we believe, have confidence that the word of God is inspired. It is written by eyewitnesses. Um, it was preserved accurately over time. And that we have overwhelming historical, textual, 
um, and archaeological evidence to support everything that's in scripture. And so when you get asked questions, um, Aline and Michael, right? You were the two who said uh, about uh, why isn't Allah God or why isn't this one God? Like, how do we know that this God is the God? I don't know who's the other person that said that, wasn't you? Or, sorry. <laughs> so when they ask you, well, I believe in a God, but how do you know that your God is the way? Or how do you not know that all gods are the way? If you can prove that the word of God is historically accurate and factual, that is how you can prove it one way, because no other religion can do that. No other religion has history, archaeology, science, logic, and documentation to support it like the Christian religion. We have more facts to support our religion being true than any other religion on earth besides the, the Jewish religion, obviously. Um, but that is my heart. And um, I do wanna say that a lot of this is gonna be videos just because, it's not because I can't teach it, but just because I feel like it would be better if an expert taught it than me trying to rattle off what they're saying. Um, and they'll probably say it shorter than I'll say, <laughs> which will save everyone a lot of time. And, um, I know that might make it a little awkward and I really want to foster a sense of community and discipleship and I don't want to lose that. So I do want us to have a lot of conversation after the videos um, and I want to encourage that. And, you know, especially for those who are in person, when we end, I'm not kicking you out the door. Let's stay, let's eat the food. <laughs> um, you know, I have games, let's play games. Let's, let's become brothers and sisters. Let's get to know each other. And I also want to say that the format of this Bible study is not always going to be videos. It's only because we're doing something that's really mental right now. And I don't mean crazy. I mean like intellectual <laughs> um, that we're going to do this video format, but just know that we are going to get to a point where it's going to be much more Bible study, discussing the Bible, sharing our faith together. But I really want to do this first so that when we go into the Bible, you're going in with this mentality of, wow, this book is solid. I can really believe everything it says with confidence. Yeah. Um, so that's all about the topic. Does anyone have any questions or comments? George, do you, do you see where I'm coming from with that? You don't need to defend yourself, but you do need yeah, to- absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Is that a- very, very well. And I just want to mention, I know I mentioned this to my old group. You are at some point going to get asked a question you don't have the answer to, and that's completely fine. We can't, we can't be an expert on everything. Like there's no time to be an expert on the Muslim faith, the Eastern faith, the African faith, evolution, biblical stuff. Like we don't have time, but in each situation, let the spirit guide you. It, like I said, if you know an atheist and you have an opportunity to talk to them, learn a little bit there, you know? And so if anyone asks you a question and you don't know the answer, say to them, that's a really great question. And I really want you to get an answer and I'm sure I can get you an answer. How about, and this is what Dalton said, and I said, you ruined it for me because you already gave away the conclusion. <laughs> but say to them, I'll get back to you and then get back to them. Don't leave them hanging, right? Especially if this is a person who genuinely wants to have a conversation with you. And I also told this to my previous group, and I won't tell you the whole story, but um, this is a way that I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, led a, an atheist to Christ while I was in university because she was an atheist who genuinely wanted answers. She wanted to have conversation and I was the only Christian she'd ever met who could give her answers and not just say, oh, I just believe, you know, and because I could give her answers, it took a while. She asked a lot of questions over many months, but there came a point where she was like, I can't discount what you're saying. Like, it makes sense. It must be the truth. And then she had to come to the point where she was like, okay, I give up, Jesus, you're God. So I really believe this will be beneficial to you and to many other people you encounter. Um, I have one more thing I want to say before we go to a prayer request and feel free to chime in at any moment. Raise your hand if you want to say something. 
I do want to give a disclaimer about me, especially if you don't know me. Um, and this is from feedback I've gotten from previous attendees. I am a very intense person. Um, if you don't know me, I may seem very legalistic, very pharisaical. Um, some people might say I'm unloving, unkind, and I know that I can come across that way, but I want you to understand that it comes from a place of a really deep passion for God and for people to really be close to him. And I can promise you that I am loving, just probably not in the way that you're used to. And if you get to know me, you'll see that. I am one of those people that condemns sin very openly and honestly, but I'm also the same person that if you come and confess to me you sin, I'm not gonna beat you with a Bible. I'm gonna hold you, hug you, tell you it's fine, repent, everything's gonna be fine, God will fix the situation. I want the church as a whole to be holy and righteous before God and to fulfill his purposes on earth. But when it comes to you as an individual, I'm not there to beat you with a rod. I'm there to help you and instruct you and guide you and love you and comfort you. And I'm not judging you. I judge sin, but I don't judge you. And I want you to know that when I'm intense, it's, it's actually from a place of love. And I also do it because we live in a culture that's too scared to be offensive, that's too scared to be confrontational. And to be honest, most of the preaching and discipling that you will encounter in your life is gonna be more of the opposite of me. And that's not to say that's unnecessary. Uh, it is good. You need people like Alyssa that are just this overwhelming, loving, kind, sweet person that you just wanna be best friends with because she's the best thing ever. Like we need people like that. And you're going to meet so many of those people. You aren't going to meet a lot of people who are going to make you angry or make you question or maybe even offend you a little bit sometimes. And there's a righteous offense and there's an unrighteous offense, right? There's offense of like, you're ugly and that was an unnecessary comment and I offended you for no reason. And then there's offense of the way Jesus was offensive, where he said things that were true and people were bothered by it because it touched something inside of them. And that... I guarantee you at some point, I'm going to say something that's going to really upset you, offend you. And I ask in that moment that one, you realize I'm human. And maybe I did offend you in an unrighteous way. I have done this in the past. Sometimes I get too passionate and I say something I shouldn't have said. And I ask that you forgive me and realize that I'm an imperfect leader and I'm going to make mistakes and botch it up and look more like the devil than like Christ at some points. But there will be times I offend you and it's actually because something in you, the Holy Spirit in you is telling you that something needs to change. And I ask in the moments when you're offended that before you make a judgment on me, that you would go to Christ and you would ask him whether I made a mistake, whether Cassandra made a mistake or whether this is something that he wants to work on you with. And if ever I'm wrong, you're so welcome to come to me and tell me. And if it's something I've said before the group, I will apologize to the whole group. But I ask that you really do your own personal soul seeking with the Lord about it and read scripture. If I ever say anything that contradicts scripture, you're welcome to call me out. Don't call me out like in the moment, just for the sake of the unity of the group. But afterwards, call me out. We can have discussion. And if you're right, I will repent and correct it. But really, I want to focus on the word of God. And the word of God is offensive. It, it does divide people. Jesus divided people. Jesus said that his word would divide people. So there are going to be hard times, but bear with me through it. And you know what? If any of you have family, unless you have a perfect family, you know what family's like. Sometimes you hate them. Sometimes you love them. Sometimes you want nothing to do with them. Other times you just want them around. And so expect that here. Expect that sometimes you're going to love this group and other times you're going to be bored. Other times you're going to be angry or irritated, but don't give up and see it through. And I really believe that God will really do something amazing with all of us, even the people online. And I hope that whenever you leave, whether it's in two weeks or two years, that you will leave being 
a stronger Christian, more mature in your faith, having a deeper love for God and a deeper commitment and conviction to living out his will and his word in your life. All right. Uh, before prayer requests, is there anything that anyone wants to add? Or anyone want to be like, I'm out now. Too much, too fast, bye. <laughs> nope. Okay. Your funeral. <laughs> okay, so I'll just close with a general prayer. Um, and then you will go specifically and pray for your people. And feel free to pray for everyone if you really feel that. But please focus on the person you were assigned. God, thank you so much that we could spend this time together. And even though there were some technical difficulties, thank you that we we're all able to have some fellowship. I pray for your blessing over the weeks to come that we would all learn something from this while at the same time fostering community and getting to know each other and really develop a love and a burden for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There were a lot of prayer requests today and I lift each one of them up to you you know better than any of us do what each person needs specifically. And so I pray for your perfect will to come about in each and every single person's life. I pray for blessings, both spiritually and physically. I pray for healings and I pray for hope and I pray for a commitment, Lord. And um, please be with us throughout the week and protect us and let us all come back next week. And please let these people eat this food or I'll cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.